This is producer Michael Miracle. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast. Be sure to check out our website at iworkforhim.com. That's iwork4him.com for all of our past shows and podcasts, plus Jim's blogs, reading recommendations, and tons of great I Work For Him resources. All available at iworkforhim.com. And now, today's broadcast. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. Hey, thanks for tuning in to I Work For Him today as we challenge you today to dig a lot deeper. Now, i got to just ask you, what kind of leaders do you see transforming America today? You know, there certainly are transformational. They certainly are transformational. But are they moving our country in the right direction? I mean, seriously, where do you go to get the truth? I mean, where do you go to get the truth? You constantly are bombarded with opinions all day long. We're bombarded with secular progressivism everywhere we go where do we go to get the truth are we getting the truth are you getting the truth in your church are you getting the truth in your small group are you even in a small group where are you getting the truth of jesus christ who is pouring into you to challenge you to dig deeper to understand who you are in christ to understand what you should be doing you know in my humble opinion and sometimes it's not so humble, but I'm pretty sure I'm right at this. We need more Christ followers influencing our country. We've got to take back the positions of influence in our country. And I am not talking about politics, although politics would be very good. I'm talking about media. I'm talking about our neighborhoods. I'm talking about positions of influence in our country. You know, in the last several weeks, we've talked about love2020.com. We've talked about the 40daysoflove.net. We've talked about igniteamerica.com. We've talked about these organizations that intentionally want you and me to engage those we work alongside, live alongside, breathe alongside. Each one of these organizations is trying to move the bar of our influence as Christ followers in our workplaces and our communities. Which one are you getting involved with? However, that still leaves the question of how we intentionally engage our, cult- our culture with positive transformation. I have just the answer. Transformational leadership. Check out the website tlondemand.com and learn how you can become a transformational leader. And listen, this is not some like, you know, hype up kind of a, a transformation. This is truth transforming the hearts and minds of those that take the time become a transformational leader check it out online tlondemand.com and if you decide to allow the lord to transform your heart make sure you enter in the promo code iw4h50 and you'll get a discount and you'll be promote helping promote i work for him all right we're talking today with ford taylor from transformational leadership about tl on demand and our topic of the day is going to be emotions and meanings and reactions ford taylor welcome back to i work for him hey jim thank you it's always great to be with you my brother always well you you could tell i'm a little fired up because you know and we're not going to mention what day it is and what news cycle it is but you know, the news was predicting a certain outcome about a certain thing for the last several weeks. And this morning we wake up and we find out that the news wasn't even close to being correct. And I'm just tired of us listening to the liars. I want us to be the truth tellers in our society. I want I want us to bring hope to those that we work and live alongside. I'm just tired of us taking a back seat to those people that want to push their agenda. We just want to push Jesus's agenda, which a lot of them tell us means that we're bigoted, racist, you know, homophobes. 
That's what they try to convince the world of, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. All right, let's move away from anything closely political and talk about transformational leadership. You know, I just, I want to know, you know, you've known me now just about a year, and, and what a privilege it's been for, for Martha and I to get to know you and your bride. Talk to me about when you think of I Work For Him, when you think of what we've been trying to do by highlighting ministries and testimonies, when you hear the message of I Work For Him, how does it resonate with how the Lord's been moving in your life? Well, Jim, I, I almost don't like you asking me that question because it's going to sound like that my answer is to promote you and what you're doing. And and it, it, it's not. I love you dearly. I love what you're doing dearly. But the truth is, you are right dead center of the street on the message that God's trying to speak to the believers in our world today, and specifically in America. I mean, you, you, I mean, dead center, you're, you're trying to, you're giving the message that's in the Bible, not the one that's in theology. You know, it's the one that's taken us to the place to where, you know, the church is the people, it is the marketplace, it is the education system, it is the media. Uh, the part of that is the local church, but, but the message is taking us back to where Jesus had us, which is we are ministers. We do work for him. Everything we do is worship. It's about being obedient. It's not, it's not having to be good, you know. It's about being obedient. And so every time I listen to you and your show, to me, you are consistently giving the word, the message, week after week, hour after hour, on exactly what God's trying to speak to his people in our country. So I, I'm encouraged every time I listen. So thank you for that. Well, we can only hope that somehow, and thank you for those those comments, because it's not it's never about us. This is not the Jim Brangenberg or Martha Brangenberg radio show. This is I Work For Him, and it's really, every time somebody hears this message, their eyes are open to the fact, wow, you mean I can really be a minister in my workplace? But yet, so many of us don't even know how to get started, and so many of us have so many things to work through in our lives. Our Our, our witness is somewhat compromised by our behavior, and that's what we, we're trying to talk about today. You know, as we get older, we get tired and we see stuff we know we can't change. I mean, you and I have seen in our lifetimes, have seen our country flip upside down on its head. I mean, what was, what was right 50 years ago is now being called angry, you know, you know troublesome, all these things. But, but you care about this next generation. You want this next generation including us, to be agents of change. Why Why do you care, and why do you want them to be transformational leaders? Well, Jim, you know, I grew up in church. I got the 13-year pins that I didn't miss, and so I'm a lifetime churchgoer. And, and I heard a lot about leadership. I, learned, I heard a lot about change. I heard a lot about humbling yourself, and God will exalt you. So I heard a lot of theory of what it looked like to be a believer. But but what I heard in theory and what I saw in behavior didn't line up. Therefore, my words and my behavior also didn't line up because I did what I was taught. And and I love what you said earlier that, that you know, we're accused of being bigots and racists. And, and part of the reason of that is is that, you know, who we're hearing from a lot of the people we're hearing from that I'll call the, the strong left or strong right that claim to be believers, you know, just the very way that they're saying the things they say, 
makes us look that way. And so, but that doesn't mean that the vast majority of us look that way or are that way, but it makes it hard for a believer who's not that way, you know, who is who is against gay marriage, but they're not against the people. You know, they're against abortion, but they're not against the mother or the father who did it. Yet, it makes it look like, you know, the, the, the extreme left and right are fighting so much that it looks like we're against the people, and we're not. And therefore, as believers, we can get a bad rap for having a, an opinion or belief system that we believe is right and wrong, but that doesn't mean that we hold hatred or bitterness or racism or bigotry against the people just because we don't believe the behavior is proper, and, and that's hard. And until we have a personal transformation before the Father, the way we say those things can come across as very judgmental as opposed to life-giving, full of grace and love and mercy and forgiveness. And that's why it's important that we learn how to say those things without having to change our view. Well, and, and, and really, when you look at becoming a transformational leader, it takes a transformation. And that's kind of the hidden stuff. We're talking to a Christian audience today, so we can be out on this. But it is, you know, transformational leadership, tlondemand.com, is about us becoming a transformational leadership through a transformation. But how do we learn this stuff? I mean, I mean, we've got TL On Demand has so much stuff, but it, it I mean, it is really, well, I mean, it's just so poignant. I mean, it's so striking when you look at the stuff that you're dealing with. And, and we're going to talk today about some, you know, dealing with our emotions and, and our meaning and the reactions to those things. How, I mean, before TL On Demand came here, how do we, how did this, how do we even learn this stuff? Absolutely. Let's talk about that. I'm excited to be on and, and to have that discussion with you. Absolutely. All right. We've come back. Thank you, Ford, for re- respecting you. Hearing the music, that it's time for us to go to break. I really want you to check out this website, tlondemand.com. You and I, you know, we're thinking, we, I want to be a transformational leader, but I don't even know how to do this. So many of us desperately want to move forward and really impact the culture that we have influence over. We don't even know how to get started. TL On Demand will help you get there. I've been going through the process as Ford Taylor and I have been talking about it on the air, and I'll tell you, this is this is shocking stuff, and Ford is raw and honest and extremely... Um, well, I, everything is so impactful. We talk about it. Ford, you know, the next step, what we've been talking about in transformational leadership is, is understanding, you know, if we're going to become a transformational leader we got to deal with our past, and we need to understand our past, and we need to know what makes up who we are. How hard is it for people to actually stop and take time to look at core beliefs and to look at things that cause them to react a certain way? Well, you know, one of the things we teach, James, uh, uh, Jim, is that change seldom occurs until the pain of staying the same exceeds the pain of change. Now, most people give that quote that it never occurs, And the reason I use the word seldom is because what we've seen is that most of the time it's never because people aren't given a process. In other words, we're told what leadership is, what being a Christian looks like, but we're not really taught how to do that. We're not really taught when, where, who to do it with. And so it it doesn't take as much time as most people think if they have the skill set and, I mean, the tool set, the toolbox to do it. 
uh, you know, example, you know, when I understood that every day I react through a part of my brain called the hippocampus, and that hippocampus is, is made up of stuff that's been put in there my whole life. And so every day things happen around us where our senses are kicked off. Uh, we, it's something we see, hear, touch, taste. And if our senses are kicked off and, it, and this information goes through our brain stem, our amygdala, and our limbic system, and it parks at the doorway of this thing called the hippocampus. But if it comes with passion or emotion, along with or plus purpose or meaning, it goes into the hippocampus. And so if we have something happen to us two or three times, that, that, that you know, an event happens with an outcome, and it happens two or three times, it actually gets stuck in our hippocampus and can even go into our cognitive memory. And then later in life, when we see something that resembles what happened earlier, our brains can't process it. They automatically say it's going to be the same outcome that happened before. And so, you know, take an example for me, you know, being sexually abused by a female school teacher. Well, if, if, if any time during my life, if a woman that looked like that woman might come on to me or come to me, come up to me, my hippocampus could flare off saying, oh, no, they're going to take advantage of me. It didn't have to be sexually, but they're going to take advantage of me, and there's nothing I can do about it. And so I wouldn't even know that I might respond through the lens of that my brain couldn't process that information. But once I dealt with what happened, in other words, it's not those things that are stored in our hippocampus. It's not the things that we've had done to us. It's not the things that we've done that keep us bound from fulfilling our potential uh, as leaders of those of influence. It's not those things. It's the lies associated with those things. Well, and, and once we learn how, once we learn how to remove the lies, not that you have to remove the lies, great, but how do you remove the lies? Once we learn how to do that, then all of a sudden those things don't impact us the same way. Well, and I, I want to step back just a little bit because you just said a lot, and I'm going to say it in, in, in my very simple-minded you know, way of doing it, but when we have an, a big event that happens in our lives and, and, and it's caused us some trauma, some mental trauma, and it's associated with a certain action or a certain type of person that in the future, we've almost, it's almost like we've got this uh, uh, automatic reaction because of something that's stored in it. And it may, and it may bring out a certain reaction uh, in anger or in hurt or in fear because of something we've experienced in the past. The good news in all of this is that Jesus has the ability to heal all of this stuff but we have to be able to bring it up and talk about it and work through it. Is it, did I do that? Any did I say it differently, but still communicate the same thing? You communicated it really well. The, the the only little tweak I would put on that is it's the good things too. It's not just the bad things that are in there. So you, you don't want to remove those. Ba- you know, you don't want to remove the good things. Uh, maybe if we give the audience an example. You know, I've been told by a lot of people, "Are you a preacher?" You know, and I said, "Why do you ask that?" Well, you have a preacher's voice. Well, I'm not sure what a exactly a preacher's voice is, but if I have a voice that someone's listening to on the radio right now, and, and someone who had the same voice that I have, the same voice that you have, if, if they had hurt that listener when they were younger in some way, emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally, financially, relationally, they would have a lot of trouble listening to us right now, and they wouldn't even know why. They would, they would just believe, uh-oh, I know that voice, and I know it's going to hurt me. 
So there's a per- so yeah, everything you just said is true. So I'm just going to take what you said and put a little example to it where people can understand what we're talking about. Huh, I get that. And and so so it happens when our emotions get tied up in something very meaningful in our lives and and it creates a reaction. Let's just step back though. How is this tied to our core beliefs or is it not tied to our core beliefs? It's tied to a couple of things. Uh, yes, the core beliefs is one, because in our life, you know, as we grow up, we, we form a self-identity. And these self-identities are formed at a pretty young age, but they're made up of, of three big things. And one is all of our life's experiences. So it's the thoughts we believe to be true about ourselves based on everything that's happened to us. It's the thoughts we believe to be true about ourselves as we compare ourselves to others. And it's the thoughts we believe to be true about ourselves based on what we think others think about us. Okay, so all these things that happen to us in our life that are stored on our hippocampus also make up our self-identity. Well, as we go through life, those start, we start forming a belief system that become core to what we believe, which we call core beliefs. And so we start hanging on to certain beliefs that we that are so important to us, we'll argue with the sheetrock on the wall <laughs> over that core belief. And and those core beliefs run through the hippocampus and through the self identity. And some of the self identity is not true. It is what we believe to be true, but some of it's not true. We just believe it to be true. Then all of a sudden we as believers, you could end up with forty four thousand Christian denominations based on core beliefs. <laughs> as opposed to central belief system that Jesus is the Son of God that's built on grace and mercy, that he came from heaven, he was born through a virgin, and he died on the cross and was raised from the dead. And so instead of focusing on the love, the forgiveness, the grace of that little story, we end up forming all these different core beliefs, and we end up with all these different denominations that keeps us very, very divided, which makes it difficult to have influence in the kingdom. All right, so let's. I, I, I'm fearful that we're losing some people on this, and I, I want to understand why is it so important that we understand our core beliefs? Because it, number one, it's important that we know what they are. Okay, we all have three to five core beliefs based on psychiatric research. Okay, and those are beliefs that are so core to what we believe that basically they say you might even die for them. Okay. But if I understand, so Jim, let's just say that you and I have two different core beliefs. We're both Christians, but you have a belief system that believes in you got to be water baptized to go to heaven, and I have a belief that says you don't. Okay? okay but those are core religious beliefs. I, I step back, because we were talking, on TL On Demand, we're talking about our core beliefs. We're talking about, you know, like for me, it's boldness and transparency and, and authenticity and generosity. We're, we're, isn't that what you were talking about in TL On Demand in this section of the, of the stuff, well, uh, what my personal core beliefs are? We can go there. I mean, we can go there. But, but your core beliefs also, well, everything you just said develops into what I said. So let's just let's use, let's use your example. I'm, I can do either one. So let's say that I have a core belief of being transparent, that I believe that transparency brings a place of freedom to a person. And so let's just say I'm, I'm completely transparent with all my stuff. 
a quick story. A guy you're going to have on the phone with us hopefully in a few minutes, uh, he told me this story. He went to work for this company, and they had a little retreat one evening after he went to work there, and they said, hey, go around the room and talk about someone who's had an influence on your life. Don't say their name and what that influence was. And he was trying to get that company to bring me in to speak at their chapel and to be a consultant. So that night at the thing, he said, uh, I have a friend of mine that's taught me the value of transparency. I never had a true belief system that if you were that transparent, you could find that kind of freedom. I always believed if you were that transparent, people wouldn't follow you. They would reject you. And what I found now is that they will. The CEO of that large company looked at him and said, I know Ford Taylor, and he is dangerously transparent. Okay? So here's the believer... So here's a believer that's the CEO of a company that calls me dangerously transparent, and because of that dangerous transparency, he doesn't want me to speak at his chapel. Wait a minute. What does he mean? What is he afraid of? Why does he call you dangerous? Well, because if, if, if I'm that transparent, it may challenge you, Jim. I may ask you a question at some point that would challenge you to be equally transparent. And if you're not ready to be transparent... You might not want to be around someone who has a core belief that that kind of transparency is world changing. You know, okay, all right, and, and I get I'm threatened by it. I, I I get that. Yeah. When I was going through this section of the material on tlondemand.com, tlondemand.com, I I reacted to this way: when somebody has a different core belief than me, or no, let me just say that again: when somebody has attacks my core belief or doesn't live up to my core belief. I it, it kind of grades against me. So in other words, if somebody in leadership is not vulnerable, and in fact the opposite of vulnerable, they are they they have all the power but none of the vulnerability, and they kind of lord it over to people. That drives me crazy because it grades against my core value, but it, and it also brings out an angry reaction. I get angry by that. There you go. So let's keep let's stay on this road. Okay, because see, that doesn't drive me crazy. It doesn't make me angry, yet I have the same core belief you do. And so why is it, let's talk about that, why is it that would make one person angry and not make another person angry? Well, I think some of it's maturity. I think some of it's maturity, but okay. Well, I'm going to share with the audience. It it literally is based on what we think. Okay, so we're going to stay right there. Keep that thought. We're talking today with Ford Taylor from Transforming transformational leadership and we're talking about the incredible online process program discipleship material called tl on demand and this is a process that you and i need to go through to become true transformational leaders not how to be a leader but how to i mean yes how to actually do this leadership stuff not what it looks like what do you actually do and for we're arguing right before, well, we weren't arguing, but I was expressing transparently to you how when I am under a leader that hides things, that doesn't have a, f- a fair amount of accountability, that is really not vulnerable or transparent, it really frustrates me. And at a, at a certain point in time, it makes me angry. And I know that because it's a core belief. What those leaders are doing is going against my very core of my being. And you're saying, Jim, it makes you angry. I have the same core belief, but it doesn't make me angry. Correct. And, and so the difference in what might make one of us angry and not the other one is strictly in the way we think about it. 
okay? Because because when something like that happens, the first thing that happens to us as individuals is we have a thought. And from that thought, a feeling is generated, and from that feeling, an action or reaction is chosen. Well, if within that thought, whatever the thought is, if it comes with fear, frustration, or pain, physical or emotional pain, right at the top of our kidneys is an adrenal system, and this, this adrenaline shoots into our bodies called epinephrine. Well, when epinephrine hits our body, that's that feeling of anger that overwhelms us. And so the only way that epinephrine can get released is if we have a thought that causes fear, frustration, or pain. And so if we have that thought, epinephrine kicks in, our brains actually get smaller, and then we think or do things or say things that are not rational because the rational part of our brain gets smaller. And so while my core belief is, as we both talked about, vulnerability and transparency are important, if I go and, and listen to a speaker like you're talking about, maybe a pastor, and they say to me that it's important for me to be transparent and vulnerable, yet they aren't transparent and vulnerable, if my thought is, well, you don't have the right to tell me that if you're not going to do it yourself, that could be very frustra- frustrating or emotionally painful. If that happens, epinephrine kicks in and I get angry. If my first thought is, wow, I really feel sorry for them that they haven't discovered this yet, because once they discover it, they're going to have a place of freedom, and once they get a place of freedom, they're going to be able to help free up their congregations. So if my first thought is, oh, I really feel bad for them because they can't do this, my epinephrine's not going to kick in because I'm going to have a feeling of empathy and sadness for them, not fear, frustration, and pain. If my thought is you have no right to say that to me if you're not going to do it yourself, then fear, frustration, or pain kicks in, epinephrine kicks in, I get angry. When we at the at the beginning of the next segment, we're going to talk about a story that you shared at on TL on demand, where you had to step back and walk away from that anger and come back in. We'll we'll talk about that in a minute. But we've got your guest on the line. Would you like to introduce him, please, Ford Taylor? Yes, this is a dear friend of mine, Patrick Williams. Hey, Patrick. What's going on, fellas? Hey, well, Patrick. Welcome to I Work for Him. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate being on. So, Patrick, I would love for you to share with the audience how going through the transformational leadership process has impacted your life and why. Well, I was introduced to Ford by a mutual friend. I'm in the uh, the training technology business. I helped Ford uh, build the uh, TL on-demand platform, and Ford, as he does so graciously, he he called me and said, I'm very excited to get started on building this interactive virtual training platform to scale my business, to reach more people, to save more lives. Uh, I need you to come to a live TL event because how can you emulate what I do in real life if you don't see it in real life? So I get on a plane from Las Vegas. I fly to Cincinnati, Ohio, and it was a – True to the name, transforming two days. Uh, I've been walking with the Lord my entire life. I've been married 30 years. But Ford's training, and I heard you guys chatting a little bit about transparency. I had a, a Ford and I have a mutual, uh, a mutual executive friend who said Ford Taylor was alarmingly transparent. Um, and I think uh, that's a that's an incredible 
compliment because the transparency that he displays in his training and his teaching and his love for everyone that goes through his class really um, uh, is overwhelming. But the transformational leadership training helped me really take um, an in-depth look at my relationships, my marriage, my business relationships, my relationships with my kids, and I've read all the books. I've read all the Zig Ziglar stuff. I've read all the motivational speaking stuff, the John Maxwell stuff. And what I found out is, while there's a lot of great theories out there, that Ford really gave me tools that I could take immediately from those those classes and begin to transform the relationships. And if I had to explain it, in a in a paraphrase, you know, I had to personally transform before I could maximize influence at my in my family with my marriage and also at my workplace. All right, so compare Patrick Williams before and after going through the transformational leadership material. Um, I was a very transactional person, and I didn't really see myself that way. But it was um, most of my relationships were. Uh, what could I get? What, you know, what could help me get to where I need to get? And it completely gave me a different, uh, look on life and, you know, how I looked at individuals, how I looked at people. And I, um, I, I think it's a 1.0 and I'm in a 2.0. And I think my wife, my kids, my friends would say, uh, they like the new guy a lot better. Do you think, I mean, your wife doesn't come up to you and say, Patrick, I like the new guy better. I mean, most most of our wives will actually say stuff like that. All right, so you helped create the TL on demand materials so that people didn't have to go to a week long transformational leadership event. You put TL on demand together, and and it's so easy to go through. Lots of bite sized pieces. You don't have to sit down for twelve hours at a time. What do you? How much did that impact the people that were doing all the filming and the editing and the the websites? I mean, this you can't look at this stuff and not have it well, impact you. Well, it's unbelievable because I called my CEO when uh, the first break uh, when I was with Ford uh, at the live event. I called my CEO and I go, bro, I know this is a client. We're filming this, but we need to implement this stuff in our business. We were a business, $35 million a year annually, about 53 individuals working there. And when the CEO met Ford, uh, it basically kind of enhanced everything I had said. We ended up bringing Ford in to um, do this with our entire organization. We shut the business down, uh, and Ford had everybody that worked in our office go through all of it. And um, I can tell you that um, people's lives were completely changed. Uh, Gossip is a big thing in, in businesses and churches, and really we talk about it. We don't know what it is, and once we identify what it is, we're able to define it, but then Ford gives you tools to combat that, and I think that probably more than anything had a had a huge um, impact on our organization. Mm. So you'd recommend that people go through it? Oh yeah, yeah. It's um, uh, it's life changing. Tlondemand.com. Make sure you enter the promo code IW4H50. Patrick Williams, thanks for sharing your testimony on the air today. Really appreciate it. God bless you guys. Have a good day. Ford, right before Patrick came on, we were talking about how, you know, it's the way we think about it, that reaction that causes the anger. So in my case, 
I'm thinking, well, if you're telling me I should be transparent and vulnerable, yet you're not being transparent and vulnerable, I'm getting angry about it. But that if I'm thinking instead, hmm, I'm sorry that you don't have this. It's it's a shame that you don't that we react differently, but and we have control of those reactions. We have the ability to not react the way we always have been. Where does that control come from? Well, it, it, it's something that, that we get control over by the way we think. Now, the more peace we have, the more we understand how much we're loved by God, by Jesus, the more of that we understand, the easier it is to happen. But in the, in the middle of learning that, it really is about changing the way we think. It's about literally writing down what are those thoughts that I'm having that are causing me to get angry and thinking about what can my new thought be the next time that happens. And if we practice the new thought, the next time that event takes place and we think the new one instead of the old one, all of a sudden we're going, wow, the epinephrine didn't kick in. I'm not angry. It's like you know, parents, for example, when they have little children, they may point at them when they do something wrong when they're two or three years old and say, you made me angry in a time of anger. Well, think about that when you're not angry. Here's what you're saying to a two-year-old kid. You have complete control to determine how I feel today. So when you say that to your spouse, you made me so angry. Hey, darling, just to let you know, it's completely in your control. You control me 100% on how I feel. When our we say and do things that make no sense, but when you hear it in a logical way, so who wants to be that small? I mean, who wants your brain to be that small? So it's real simple. Write down what you're thinking. Write down what the new thought's going to be. Practice the new thought. The next time that event happens, you won't, you won't be angry. And as you know, Jim, a big one for me used to be road rage. I mean, I had it bad. <laughs> so. so talk to me then about that road rage deal. Talk to me. Your, the story that you share at TL On Demand about road rage. Well, you know, I, I was one of those guys that you, you don't have a right to cut me off. You know, the road's mine. You know, you're, you're ruining my day. I mean, all those different things. And one day, Sandra, my wife, and, and we're not sure if we were engaged or dating, but we think we were engaged. Uh, we were leaving this store, and I had this brand-new car. It was a, a Ford Mustang Pace car, 1979, and, you know, I thought I was the center of the universe. And we were pulling out of this parking lot, and this car cut me off. And when they did, my first thought was, I got angry, you don't have the right to cut me off, especially not when my car's newer and faster than yours. And so I, I hit the accelerator, I went around their car, and on the way by, in my fit of anger, I waved at them with both hands, because I was driving with my knee, with my hands backwards with one finger on each hand. And so I let them have it as I was going by. I pulled out in the street and went to a red light. At the red light, there were three lights, left, right, and go straight, and all three of them were, right, were red. As I looked in the rearview mirror, I saw two guys get out of their car, and each of them were carrying a knife. Well, we lived in Texas at the time, so this was not a problem because you don't bring a knife to a gunfight. And so I reached under the seat to grab my gun. And when I did, my wife reached over, and she shook my, my girlfriend, fiance, reached over, and she shook my arm, and she said, no. And when she said, no, I dropped the gun, I ran the red light, and got away. And I think back at that time now and think, how crazy would it be to shoot someone or even point a gun at someone based on who in the world gets out of the parking lot first? And I jokingly tell people now around that story, had I not had a calm-headed wife 
there's a good chance I could be doing transformational leadership training today in the Texas penitentiary system. But it's <laughs> stupid to do something that stupid. And yet you had a lot of epinephrine that goes in because you think you don't have a right to cut me off. It's just crazy. Well, and you have another story that you share later on in life, more recently, about you texting at a light. Yeah, and so if you turn the clock forward, and I ask people, which one of these leaders you ha- has the most influence, the one I just told the story on, or this one? So I was, I was sitting at a red light, and the next thing I heard was this big conversion van honking on their, their horn hard, swerving around me, shooting me the finger, and letting me know with their mouth they wanted to be in relationship. So they were yelling at me and shooting me the finger. And I looked up, and I had rolled out a little bit into the street because I was sitting there texting uh, while I was sitting at the red line. Ford Taylor, you were sharing that you rolled out into an intersection because you were texting at an intersection, and some guy decides to flip you the one-armed salute, and how did you react? Well, this time was very different because in the past, you know, 30 years ago, I would have responded with, you have no right to do that. I just made a mistake, and I would have chased him down and probably flipped him back off. But in this case, I took a right, and I followed him and caught up with him at the next red light. And and when he looked over and saw it was me, I had my window down, and I was giving him the signal to please roll his window down, and he did. But you could tell he was livid. His facial expression was tight. He was ready to kill me. And I looked at him, and, you know, we teach an appropriate apology has six steps to it and i looked up at him and i said look i I know you don't know me i said but back there uh, i was texting while i was sitting at the red line which is step one i stated the offense and and i I looked at him i said just want you know that's completely wrong and i'm really sorry and i don't expect you to but if you can if you'll forgive me for doing that because i put both of our lives at jeopardy and reality is you probably saved my life back there by swerving and not broadsiding me And his whole complexion changed, completely changed. And I said, if you can't forgive me, that's okay, but thank you for saving my life. And then when he looked at me, he said, hey, man, don't worry about it. And I looked at him, I said, look, you may never see me again, but if you ever do, I give you permission to hold me accountable not to text while I'm in the car. And he kind of laughed. He said, it's okay. I said, now, just in case, if I've ever seen you before anywhere else and I've been a bad influence, is there anything else that I might owe you an apology for? And he kind of looked at me and goes, hey, man, it's really okay. I said, well, I appreciate your grace. Thank you very much. And, and so I asked the question, you know, which leader would have the most influence, the one that's pulling the gun or the one that's taking responsibility for their mistakes and not blaming other people? I love that. And that's such a great example. And, and it's so you – know, road rage is one thing. But you had to put this into practice one day when you get a phone call from your daughter. And we only have three minutes left. Can you tell the story in three minutes? Yeah, I got a call one night from my daughter, and she was just crying profusely, screaming. And and I said, "Sweetie, hang on, slow down. What is it? It's going to be okay." And she and and I and I said, "What is it?" And she screamed, "Daddy, I got raped tonight." And I said, "Could you hang on just one minute?" And she said, "Yes." So I left the phone for about thirty seconds, and then I came back on the phone. And when I came back on, I said, "Okay, I'm back." And she said, "Daddy, where did you go?" I said, sweetie, I needed about 30 seconds to go deal with my anger because there's some man in your town that I, wanna, I wanted to kill for about 30 seconds. And I had to get over that or I wouldn't be able to help you. And she said, wow, Dad. I said, so let's talk about this. 
I can come to you, but let's talk through this and decide what we're going to do. And so the ability to be able to help my daughter was completely different than it would have been if I had jumped in the boat of screaming and yelling and angry and jumping in the car, driving to her with more anger building up all the way over there. I would not have been able to help my daughter. That is a transformational story. How do we put this into practice in our lives? I mean, I understand the power to do all this stuff is made possible through Jesus. I get that. And I know you don't say that up front. You're trying to teach people stuff. But this, the power to change our reactions, I believe it can transform our communities, don't you? I absolutely believe that. You know, Jim, I truly believe we have a leadership crisis in our country from the government level, parenting, school teachers. And, and I believe it rests in the fact that we have learned to, to care more about how we're seen or what people think of us than we do care about those that we have influence with or those that follow us. And I know other men who've made the same mistake on cheating on their wives that I've made that have said, I will never tell my children. I said, guys, you can't go there. I told my children. Uh, recently, a young man asked for our hands, our daughter's hand in marriage, and I said, I have some questions for you. And one of them was, look, you know my story. One of the commitments I have to have from you to bless you marrying my daughter is if you're ever tempted by another woman, that I have your solemn oath right now that you will call me before you go there. He said, you have my word. But see, if he didn't know my story, I couldn't open the door for him to make that call. It's unbelievable. Ford Taylor with transformational care about us. It all changes. Ford Taylor with transformational leadership. Thanks for being on I Work for Him today. You've been listening to I Work for Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower. My workplace, it's my mission field. But ultimately, I work for him.